Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Thank you, everybody, once again for joining my brother and I for what is going to be a stupendous podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, author of the series of books, Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters, all volumes of which are available, that's one through eight, at Amazon in paperback and ebook format. And you can go to Audible, iTunes, and Amazon and select an audiobook, volumes one through eight as well, if you're inclined to do so. And please do make a purchase. And may I encourage you to buy my latest book, How to Make Money. God's Universal Principles for Wealth and Prosperity. I guarantee it will change your outlook immensely. And now, may I introduce you to my brother and co-host, KJ Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm good. What's going on, Bill? Uh, A little bit of this and that. Uh, I'm off today, and this evening we're doing this podcast, but... uh, I went out today and bought myself a couple of new pairs of New Balance sneakers. Ah. <laughs> you know, we have... A couple a, of pairs. One pair is not enough. No, no, I alternate pairs. You know, they're particularly great stomping around the hospital on those terrazzo floors. Ah. And, you know, you lose track. When you buy a pair of these shoes... It takes a while for the rubber sole to kind of compress, you know. I mean, I'm not. I know you're a runner. Uh, I'm not out running, but after a while, it feels like you're walking on lead instead of a cushion. Yeah, they do wear out even when you don't see signs of them wearing out. Yeah. So I was going to ask you, like, do you have two pairs? Like one that's bright pink, one that's purple, depending <laughs> on the velour tracksuit that you wear on that day. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and sometimes you cross them <laughs> over, right? You wear the pink one with the purple velour tracksuit. It's like some they call them boots in European soccer, right? They're not shoes, <laughs> boots, but these yeah. these guys are wearing like you know chartreuse, uh, lime green, shocking mauve, you know, all of these wild colors, you know. Oh but, yeah. Uh, but uh, when I went to New Balance today, that usually it's uh, in the men's section, some type of black and white, shades of gray. You know, they're not too funky. Uh, yeah. When I when I buy my running shoes, it's kind of funny. 
um, you don't get to pick your color, you know, because I always buy the same kind. Uh-huh. And it's kind of like they usually have one color in the store, and uh, it's kind of like, okay, what's it going to be? <laughs> you know, and either it's, you know, sometimes they're like highlighter yellow, bright pinks. The ones I have now are black. Uh-huh. So you can't pick. You know, that's just what they are. Well, you know, got in. When I'm when I'm strutting my stuff wearing my lavender fedora, sometimes I like a pink shoe. Yeah. But if I can't get none, you know, if I can't get none, I can't get none. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you got today, brother, in our cryptids in the news and other oddities segment? Yeah, Bill, this week we're going to the news. All right. Which I always like the news. And in this case, it's modern news. So modern that this story appeared about a week ago, a week before we're recording this podcast. Okay. And I'll tell you the headline of the story first. See if it jars your memory. Second possible Sasquatch sighting reported in Ashland County, Ohio. Yes. Yes, I'm familiar with this. One. Oh, you, did you see this particular story? Uh, or the prior I, one we covered? Uh, well, the first one was the one you covered next to the gym, correct? Exactly. Back in April, so not that long ago, where the woman came out of the gym in Ashland County, Ohio, and uh, she saw a Bigfoot out the back entrance of the gym over by her car in the parking lot. Geez, that is freaking crazy, man. Yeah, pretty spectacular. And then this one, and this is also from the Richland Source, which is uh, the newspaper or online periodical there. And this was written by Carl Hanel, who's the city editor. And, uh, you know, the subheading says, A rural Ashland County man said he saw a large, dark figure emerge from the trees on the right and walked diagonally in a northeasterly direction to the tree line on the left. Hmm. Man, so this know. guy, Bill, he's a 51-year-old guy, uh-huh. and he says that he, you know, he he believes and has an interest in Sasquatch phenomena. Okay, so we can't hold that against him, right? But he was in law enforcement for more than two decades, uh-huh. so he knows what he's seeing, is what he says. Yeah, well, you got to, first of all, thanks for being in law enforcement for over 20 years. Exactly. And, uh, yeah, I would say the individual has a pretty good idea of what he's looking at with his two eyes. Yeah, and he, now this gentleman gets back to a lot, you know, we cover this a lot, where he gives this really detailed account to the newspaper, but he wants to remain nameless. Right. So he doesn't he doesn't want anyone to know who he is, which we can understand that, right? We I think we debated that going back to our first podcast episode, Bill. Yeah. You know. And you remember the uh uh trooper's story uh that I read many, many months ago, and I'm not gonna go through the whole thing, but you may recall this guy was out on highway patrol and he was parked next to that granite wall. Uh, out on the highway when a car sped by beeping the horn and apparently not at him because they didn't know he was there. And the next thing you know, that Bigfoot appeared in front of him while he was taking care of business. Do you remember that? 
I do remember it. Yeah. Okay. And he suffered so much ridicule that he was close to retirement and just said, oh, I'll pull the plug. I got 25 years. And uh, So he was ridiculed for reporting it, sharing it? Yeah, well, he was excited about it. Like, wow, wait till these sure. guys freaking here. And he's telling the guy over the radio what he just saw. And then he just became like a laughing stock, but in a bad way. And uh, apparently it led to him making a decision to to retire. So I can understand this guy saying, look, I'm telling you what I saw. I don't want to share my name, no pictures, blah, blah, blah. And I, I understand that. Cool, cool. Yeah. And by the way, I don't think there's a good way to be a laughing stock in a professional sense. No. <laughs> No, because I'm struggling. I'm struggling. Yeah, because um, you look, you but, look, you're perceived as being like a moron. Yeah, absolutely. That's yeah. not good. No, no. Yeah. So he says this. Uh, this gentleman that saw it, uh, he says, I've tried to explain it away, but I can't. In all the years I've lived here, I've never seen anything like it. Hmm. All right. Yeah. So the man, this is how he describes what happens right from the Richland source. So it was a, a big afternoon rain, summer afternoon rain, you know, a few weeks ago, about 90 minutes long. And uh, he jumped on his riding lawnmower as a decent sized piece of property, it sounds like. And he's riding along on his mower. And he says that he saw something near the tree line next to a recently planted soybean field about 250 yards away. Wow. And like I said in the uh, headline, you know, it's, it looked like a large all-black figure. It's daylight, right, walking across the field, the middle of this field, 250 yards away. Mm -hmm. So he said that he stopped his lawnmower right away. And unfortunately, he usually always has his phone with him. But because it had rained so hard in the prior 90 minutes, he thought it would probably rain again. So he left his phone in the house. Uh, right? The one that got away. Yeah, they well. Say. Yeah. There's a hundred um, scenarios why you might not get a shot off. I mean. No, no doubt about it. No doubt about it. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, as the creature's walking, though, he, he said that he took his mower about 35 yards closer to the edge of the bean field and couldn't get any closer than that. And uh, at that point, he's looking at this dark figure, and he has a trail cam out there, and he was hoping that it would cross in front of the camera, but it stayed just to the north of it. Wow. And he said it was following a deer trail. Wow, look at that. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and, I mean, and they do follow trails. There's no doubt sure. about it. I mean, even any creature... In my opinion, given that's why they're trails, right? Any creature given the opportunity will follow the path of least resistance. Oh yeah, you absolutely. Know. Unless there's but, something to keep them off of it, you know. Otherwise, yeah. they're going to take it. Yeah, yeah. no. If, I mean, if it was running after something to kill, yeah, uh, it's probably just in full tilt and going and doing whatever it has to do. Yeah. But yeah. if you were just strolling along, right, and you weren't looking to burn any extra calories or exert yourself anymore, you follow the trail. Yeah, it's an easier walk, too. Sure. You know? Absolutely. So this gentleman says, the whole time I'm watching this creature, I'm thinking, no one is going to believe me. Yeah. And he said it took about 90 seconds to cross the field, so a good long Sighting, you know, relatively speaking, right? 90 uh, seconds. Is absolutely. 
good long sighting in this world. Uh-huh. And um, he scanned, when it walked into the woods, uh, he scanned the tree line looking for any vehicles uh, to be there from someone walking, but there weren't any. Uh-huh. So, again, he's like, I can't figure out what I had just seen. And uh, he, he finished up mowing. He didn't tell his wife about it until a couple of days later, he said. Mm-hmm. And he thought maybe it was a neighbor checking that nearby trail cam or, you know, somebody, he says, hunting mushrooms. But he said, who would have been out after a pouring rain dressed in all black in the middle of the day? Yeah, he looked around for some, yeah, he looked around for some footprints and didn't see anything. Um, and then four days after the sighting, he took his son out there, who's 5'11 and 235, big, big guy. Uh, and he had him dressed in a black sweatsuit that had white lettering and stripes on it. And um, took him out there, dropped him off. And told him which way to walk, and he went back and got on the mower by the edge of the soybean field. And he was saying that you could clearly see what his son was wearing, even that far away. So, uh-huh. like, he could see the lettering on the, the sweatshirt and stuff like that. So, he was like, clearly this was some type of black creature. It wasn't yep. like it was, you know, somebody wearing different colors, but it just didn't show up because it was too far away. Did he so make I any, that was pretty interesting. Yeah, did he make any comments about the height relative to his, uh, what was his, his son? His son, yeah, was teenage son, 5'11", 235, so a big okay. teenager. Yep. And he does mention uh, that the dark figure he saw was larger than his son. Okay. In the same place. Yeah, it's kind of open-ended, but bigger than 5'11", or let's just say 6 foot and 235. Yep. And now the only thing that's interesting, right? Like we all, we know where there's one of these creatures, there's more than one. Whatever type of creature we're talking about, right? Yeah. In cryptids, etc. There's not usually one creature in the world of any type. And what's interesting, though, is the, the one that was sighted outside of the gym in April in the same town, about two miles away, uh, the woman said that it was grayish, the creature, but she did see it at midnight. Um you know, under uh-huh. the lights of the parking lot, where this guy saw it in the daytime and said this creature was black. Yeah. Well, you would, uh, I, uh, you know, it's hard to say. You might get a certain sheen uh, off of uh, a parking lot light on a, uh, like a gloss to a fur. Sure, sure. You look at my black Labrador, Martha, she looks shiny if the lights are hitting her a certain way, which could be like gray. Right, uh, right. Versus, you know, in some settings, in the daylight, she's pitch black, you know. Well, it's pretty obvious at this point in time that in Ashland, there's a couple of creatures out and about that seem to be pretty comfortable uh, moving around. You know, and really, Kev, in a lot of places, who knows the reason why, but uh, as people move into territories... Uh, so many animals aren't so quick to go away. Sure. They kind of adapt to whoever's there, and uh, tough on you, I live here too. You know, so uh, be interesting. No doubt about it, but, you know, when I read this story first in the news when I came across it, I really expected it to be, okay, somebody's just jumping on the bandwagon. 
you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And then I saw this guy was 20 years in law enforcement. Boy, he sure seems credible, you know, based yeah. on the news story. Yeah, well, you know, you know my stand. To those who believe no further evidence is necessary, and to those who don't, no amount of evidence will suffice. So I believe this guy's tale at face value. Once again, what's to gain? Doesn't want anybody to know who he is. You know, what What would be the purpose behind that whole uh, charade if it was, in fact, a charade? Agree. It, it just doesn't make sense, you know? I agree 100%. So what we don't know is, and he admittedly says, there's an air of uncertainty uh, having not walked up and shook hands with the thing. But he was like, you know, what he says makes sense to me. Uh, who's out walking around in this field after this deluge? And then why wearing black head to toe? I mean, and, you know, when people say black, Kev, they're not saying like it looked like a guy in a Grundon uh, uh, marine slicker with his white hand sticking out and a pair of uh, uh, boots uh, coming up to his uh, mid-thigh over the outside. When they say in black, they're talking about the entire being looks black. Oh, I agree. I agree. You know, if you're looking and at no a, cars, no cars around, not his neighbor, you know, it's, right. it's uh, significant. And again, it's daytime. Exactly. And you look at somebody in black during the daytime. I don't care what kind of black you're wearing. You're going to see seams where the hat comes down, the sure. arms, uh, where it hangs at the waist. You know, it's going to look like clothing of some kind. Boy, that is bizarre. No doubt about it. Yeah, and what kind of hair? What color hair they have, etc. Yeah, something. Yeah. You're gonna a beard. Skin tone. Yeah, yeah, skin tone. Uh, yeah, you'll you're gonna catch something. Cool. So I like that one, Bill, from the news about a week ago, a week before recording this podcast. So it looks like Ashland County, Ohio, is turning into a little bit of a hotbed. And I know we have a few listeners out there too. So keep your eyes open. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, especially, you know, I always say if you've seen something, say something, and that you don't see anything if you're not looking. I mean, it just stands to reason. But over here, folks, if you live in that vicinity, you have an active location, and the odds are that if you are looking and making it your business to do so, you may have a very good chance of getting some footage or a sighting of your own. So... Uh, stand guard, and uh, maybe you can make a contribution to the podcast in the not too distant future. Yeah, man, that's fantastic. So, Bill, what do you got this week? Well, you know how I feel about the hunting community—a huge amount of uh, sightings and encounters uh, have come to me via hunters, loggers. Uh, people, uh, DEC people, uh, all kinds of individuals who pretty much spend a good amount of time annually in the woods. And this is yet another example. Uh, This uh, testimonial was told to me by Tommy Nelson. And Bill, by the way, let's face it, you like them because they carry guns, too. 
Well, yeah, but you know, you know, really, Kev, I don't think DEC guys carry guns, do they? They do down here. Oh yeah. Well, I, Just I don't in know. In case you're fishing without a license, they're going to shoot you. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. You know, <laughs> oh, you got no, you got no license. Boom. Yeah, I Man. think they do. I think they do down here. Yeah. Well, why not shoot you anyway and All take right. your fishing pole? <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you. <laughs> So uh, this was told to me by Tommy Nelson, a resident of the state of Idaho. Did I say that right? Or you know, Idaho you know, is correct. That's correct? Not like Oregon? Yeah. <laughs> and this is what uh, Tommy had to say. I was out on a hunt with one of my buddies, hoping to fill a moose tag in the region of the Clearwater River drainages. Anyone familiar with the state knows that this location is a heavily timbered and rugged area, difficult to navigate and hunt in. I had been here many times before, and although it is difficult, it can also be very rewarding as a hunting zone. So we had been working a hillside, hugging the river, stopping at times to make some calls in the hope of coming across a nice bull to no avail. Now, don't get me wrong, there's an ample supply of wildlife here, but we are always looking for the next trophy. Whenever I hunt moose, the meat is also donated and the rack is mine. To some of you, that may sound nuts, but I was single at this time in my life. And if you've never seen a large moose after it was butchered, you could damn near fill a small walk-in freezer with the meat. And it's because of this that I typically donate all of my kills. There are a lot of hungry people out there who are more than happy that I and others do so. I like this guy because he's given a little plug to those who think hunting is uh, a brutal uh, profession. I don't think that most people who have plenty of food consider how far 900 pounds of properly harvested meat can go in feeding people. At any rate, I don't know how I got on that subject but I feel that hunters always have to defend what we do. So my friend and I had worked our way into the edge of a shallow ravine, and we had scoped out some cows and a couple of bulls. One in particular looked to be large and ancient, but we would have to get closer. Gradually, we made our way down into the zone we had been seeing from up on the slope and confirmed what we had thought. This was a really mature bull, well beyond his years of contributing to the herd as far as propagation is concerned. These are the types of animals we try to harvest. Having made our way into position some 100 yards from the beast, I steadied my rifle on a limb and took a shot. I was sure that I hit him, 
having seen the dust fly off of his shoulder on impact, and he took off. Now, just so you understand who it is that you are dealing with, neither I nor my friend are good trackers. In fact, if you put the two of us together, you wouldn't come up with one good tracker. The reality is that tracking is, in my opinion, a gift, and very few people have it. We are always hoping that our kills drop somewhere near where we shot them, but that was not the case this day. When we reached the spot where I had hit him, there was very little visible blood, but we knew the direction that he had begun to run. We were doing our best, but found nothing, and the forest seemed to be ever tightening around us. For three hours, we felt like we were going in circles, trying to follow this trail. We had just reached a spot where we were breaking out of the timber into a somewhat clear slope, descending more than likely several hundred feet below us. As we sat for a moment, I pulled out my binoculars to have a look around the hill in hopes of seeing the bull and noticed something dark moving in the tall grass near some scrub pines. From our angle, neither of us had a good look at whatever it was. So we backed into the cover of the woods and moved into a better position to see. Having now moved some 200 feet to our left, we crept into position where we could now see a huge Sasquatch behind my dead bull. It was kneeling next to it, with both of its hands placed flat on the animal's side. Neither one of us thought about shooting it, which is another aspect of a good hunter that your average person knows nothing about. We had a tag for a moose. There are laws, rules, and regulations that we follow to the letter. We didn't have a tag for shooting a Sasquatch, no matter what you think or don't think about them personally. We were there, we had rifles, and we weren't going to kill it unless we were attacked. We watched it for maybe 10 minutes as it sat next to the moose, looking around. At one point, it seemed like he was petting it. <clears throat> I remember thinking to myself that maybe it was just really happy to find this fresh beast laying there. I don't think that it was another five or ten minutes when the Sasquatch stood up, grabbed the moose by the antlers, and dragged it out of our view into the cover. The two of us sat there looking and whispering to each other. We were wondering, just like anyone else would after seeing such a thing, what the creature was doing. Is it tearing the moose up behind the bushes? Was he hiding it and going to return with help later? I mean, we don't know anything about these beasts. 
They are an enigma to us. We stayed where we were for a good hour and then left, not knowing if it was still there or if it had gone away in a different direction. But I will say this. We weren't going down there to find out. That's for damn sure. We had the glasses on this thing at 150 yards with total clarity. The moose was more than likely close to 1,200 pounds. And this thing was equal in size. The fur in the bright sunshine was shiny and black. In fact, it was so shiny that it looked like it was oiled. Along with it being huge and muscular, which I'm sure that you have heard a hundred times before about these things, what struck me most was how it moved the moose by itself. When it stood up, it grabbed one antler with one hand and simply slid the moose with what appeared to be no effort at all back into the trees, like you or I would pull a lawnmower back when, mow when mowing. This thing pulled a half ton with one hand like a rag doll. Even with several men, you have to butcher a moose in the field just to break it down in order to carry it out. And we would have a hard time just trying to shift it around to make our cuts. This Sasquatch must have the strength of a hundred men. It's just that simple. And that's the story exactly as it happened. What do you think of that, that's, Kev? That's spectacular, Bill. I mean, it really gives you a feel for the size and the strength of a Sasquatch in a practical sense, right? Once again, my buddy's theory in Alberta, to me, is proven correct. He said, long after I had many accounts of a Sasquatch showing up, presumably after a kill, he said his opinion was that he thinks some of these creatures now in areas where hunts occur know what's going on after the bang occurs. Mm. And they are trying to get to a kill before the hunter does. What do you think of that? I mean, it seems reasonable that an intelligent being could figure that out, right? Yeah, it's a real oddity for sure. But how else do you explain? Uh, obviously, this thing could cover a lot more terrain from what we understand about them than a couple of guys stomping around with gear on. Yeah. Maybe this thing is running around in a zigzag passion or can smell the moose and locates it quickly. Obviously, has no fear of whoever may be coming to look for it. It's sitting down next to the thing for 20 minutes. Yeah, well, it definitely, you know, it's not hard to believe that its senses are keenly aware of a creature the size of a moose that's that's running around, especially if the animal's in distress, too, right? Because these wild animals of various kinds, they can tell when an animal is in distress. That's a you good know. point, Kev. That is yeah. a damn good point. 
And maybe this moose is grunting or snorting as it's uh, being delivered to death blow. Uh, and certainly making a lot of noise, right? I don't know what Heck a moose yeah. sounds like. It's it's you got to be they able to hear. They make a lot it. of noise when they're moving through the woods. I'll tell you that. I mean, they're big. Yeah, it's like a car going through the woods. You know? Yeah, it's a, it's amazing, you know. Yeah. But how about the fact, one handed, it drags this beast underground. Talk about dead weight. I can't imagine. Yeah. One hand, one antler slides it away like you or I would drag a rag doll. That is freaking insane. Yeah. And not through a field, through the brush, right? Yeah, just pulling it away. That's crazy. And what about the hunter? How about the dedication and the fact that he goes overboard in his details to rub a little dirt in people's face who think hunters are like evil dudes? Uh, and well, even, I, I liked his expression saying, hey, I only had a tag for a moose, but yeah. not a Sasquatch. Yeah. You know, a lot of hunters are real decent characters. Like it or not, they're in it for what they do. And this guy donates all of his meat. So, uh, you know, there's plenty of people out there, as he said, that are more than happy. Do you know, Kev, that. I don't know if it's the entire Alaskan Railroad or part of it, that they occasionally hit a moose on the rail with a train. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they have an area where they have a list. And people sign up on that list. And if the train hits a moose, they go out and gather it, and they bring it to this location and call the first person on the list. And if you're still interested, you got to get over there and get rid of it. Yeah. Take it. Well, they also- see moose. They see moose every day, every trip. Because, like, I mean, I took the railroad, uh, uh, the Alaskan Railroad, from up in Anchorage down into the Kenai Peninsula, right, uh, to Seward and back, and um, we saw a lot of moose on uh, on the daytime train ride. Yeah, yeah. So it must yeah. happen frequently. Yeah, and, and they so slow he, down like they know where the moose are going to be. They try to slow down because they don't want to hit them. Right. And then it's good for it's primarily a tourist railroad, you know. So they want you to see the moose, so they'll call it out and say, "Hey, we got some moose coming up on the right hand side," you know. Yeah, yeah. As you're going along, but I think it's real decent of them to uh, offer sure, up sure. offer up the meat. To uh, somebody who's willing to come over and cut it up, take it away. Probably keeps them from hitting a grizz, too, when the grizzly comes out and goes <laughs> on the track to get the moose. <laughs> it's a circle of life. <laughs> what a circle of death, no matter, exactly. depending how you look at it. Well, that's really what the circle of life is anyway, let's face it. Yeah, and <laughs> by the way, if any of our listeners... Uh, know anything of this area of the Clearwater River drainages. Uh, It's been a long time since I took this uh, report. And I'd like you to get back to me and, like, tell me a little bit about the area or, you know, whatever you know about it, if you know anything about it. It's it's always a point of interest to me to hear uh, local knowledge as it's handed down from different people. You know, Kev? Yeah, oh, sounds good. So uh, good, good, good. 
That's a great we, account, Bill. It was very vivid, like you said. And these uh, hunters, you know, roaming around in uh, rural Idaho, it's super cool. Yeah, and look, these creatures aren't afraid of anybody. Uh, if they decide to walk away, well, that's they decided to walk away. But these these creatures are Look at the two accounts you just gave uh, uh, a redo on the one, and then the current one in Ashland. This yeah. thing's walking around a gymnasium, uh, and the other one's walking across an open field in broad daylight. Yeah. So I, it doesn't seem to me like they're overly concerned about what you or I think about them. Uh, it seems like to me like they're just going about their business, and if you happen to bump into them, well, we'll see what happens. It's a weird, it's a weird phenomenon, you know. Very strange. I agree. So, anyway, Skip, what do we got in our uh, listener mailbox today? Yeah, we got some good letters. This first one, this is going to be one of my all-time favorites. All, All right. right. It comes from Marie in the great state of Hawaii. Wow. And it's, it's titled, the subject is <laughs> Littlest Critic. Huh. So she writes, Aloha. But she says, say it in the same enthusiasm as Yowie. So I'm going to say, <laughs> Aloha. <laughs> she writes, my name is Marie, and I'm writing from my hometown in the rainforest on the big island of Hawaii. Hmm. She says, I love, love, love your podcast, and I have listened to every show so far. I'm often disappointed when I'm caught up and have no more to listen to. Wish you folks did a podcast twice a week or even every day. But I know how busy you both are, so I guess I'll have to be thankful for the one episode we get each week. <laughs> I usually listen, get this, I usually listen as I'm doing house chores, but most often in the car with my five-year-old daughter. Huh. I have her use her earphones and watch her own shows at this time, but I have a feeling she may be listening in most of the time. <laughs> I know this, get this, this is fantastic. I know this because one afternoon, another friend and I took our five-year-old daughters hiking in the forest off Mauna Loa. And as she and I were talking, I suddenly hear my five-year-old tell her friend, look out there, it's a freaking Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> Where do you think she got that from, Bill? Yeah, from the beginning of our podcast. I know. Let's hear you say it, Bill. It's a freaking Sasquatch. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> and she says, uh, I say she is your littlest critic because a few days ago, while listening to cryptids, the cryptids section with KJ, again, my little girl piped up with her opinion. Hey, this show isn't about Bigfoot. They're always talking about something else. <laughs> Fantastic. And, and Marie writes, anyways, thanks again for the show. Mahalo and thank you. Or Marie, mahalo. <laughs> <laughs> and Marie, if your little five-year-old is listening, take her earplugs out because I'm about to talk to her. 
My little five-year-old friend in Hawaii, we are so glad to have you listening to us. And yes, it is a freaking Sasquatch. And we're (laughs) expecting you to find one for us. But don't leave your mommy. Take your mommy with you. (laughs) And if you see something, say something. Yeah. Now, thank you, yeah. Marie. That is definitely one of my favorite letters, and we get a lot of good fa- good letters. Uh, unbelievable. So the next man. one, Bill, comes from Kentucky, from Mark in Kentucky. Okay. And Mark's writing in like a lot of our listeners do, giving us ideas to report on encrypteds in the news and other oddities. And, Mark, I myself greatly appreciate that. And I hadn't heard of this story, this legend, this other oddity. Um, And I am going to do an episode on it. So here we go. Mark writes, hello, Bill and Kevin. Just read a story about the murder steer from Texas. It should be easy to look up. I think it would fit into your other oddities category. I enjoy your podcast and I've listened from the beginning. Carry on, gentlemen. And he writes, oh, by the way, all good people in Kentucky carry a gun. (laughs) <laughs> hey, Kev, did, did you say the yeah. murder spear, S-P-E-A-R? No, that's another cryptid. This is <laughs> this is the murder steer. Like, oh, uh, steer, you know, like a, a, an animal, cattle. like a, a cattle. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I did look into it. We're going to do an episode on it coming up soon. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool wow. story. The murder steer. So thank you for that tip, Mark. You All will right. hear about... The murder steer. Maybe the murder spear, too. Maybe the murder steer carries a spear. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I digress. Yeah. All right. And this next letter comes in from Jacob in Arkansas. And he yeehaw. writes, Yee-haw. That's it. If you like Arkansas. The well, you don't... Kev Sue is from Arkansas. Oh, I know. I always give her the Sue call. Yeah, she says, go pigs or something like that. I don't know what she <laughs> said. She's, she's got some things that she says that we're not used to. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, funny. That. Yep. So, so Jacob writes, hello, KJ and WJ. Hope all is well. I found your podcast a couple of months ago, and I've taken my time listening to each podcast to savor them. Hmm. I live in central Arkansas, but my father's tales are from the south-central and southwestern parts of the state. The first story is when my father and niece were down at deer camp filling up the feeders. This one particular spot was along a dried-up creek bed with the feeder right in the middle of it. The feeder itself was put together with metal I-beams, and a hand-crank winch was used to lift the barrel that held the corn up in the air. Yep, yep. When when raised, the top of the barrel is at a height of approximately 10 feet. Yep. On this day, my dad lowered the barrel and went to the top to fill it. Once lowered, he noticed a long, curly piece of black hair laying atop the barrel. Mm Mm-hmm. He said to my niece, Maggie, why is your hair on top of this? To which she replied, Papa, my hair isn't curly like that. It's perfectly straight. The realization of what they were looking at overtook them both as their minds began to race. 
Mm. To this day, it's still a subject of discussion at family get-togethers. Now, my father's favorite tale, when he was a young boy, he was spending the night at his grandparents' house down in Mena, Arkansas. According to him, everyone had settled in, and it was time for bed. His grandparents' dog, Bo, was a boxer, and according to them, was absolutely fearless of anything that walked this earth. My father said that he was laying in bed when Bo started to whine and whimper and then cower underneath the bed. At this time, he said he heard something running up behind the house along the wall of the bedroom he was in. He said whatever it was, you could definitely tell it was bipedal and heavy as he could hear the loud thumps of every step. Whatever it was came to a stop at the corner of the backside of the house that my father was in, and he said you could hear it breathing through the wall. Wow. I know. He said, I can't imagine what could have been going through my dad's mind, but I know what would be going through mine. I haven't seen a Bigfoot, nor have I found any evidence, yet I'm a firm believer. Thank you for delivering all these experiences to us listeners, and I can't wait for each new episode. Hmm. And be advised, both me and my dad always carry more gun than we think we're going to need. Way to go, <laughs> brother. Okay. You know, Kev, two things strike me about this account. Number one, that that elevated deer feeder with the crank is like... It's got to be a well-known piece of Southern ingenuity because I had that account of the same thing getting torn to shreds uh, by a Bigfoot. Yeah. It was it was supposed to be made so that uh, bears couldn't get at it. It would elevate and uh, the deer or something would stand up on their hind leg and pick at it. But that's just like the third time I've heard about that drum with a winch on it. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the other thing that gets me is how vicious dogs cower in the presence of these things. Oh, yeah. That is freaking weird. Because, you know, trained hounds will chase down a cougar, tree it, and if the cougar jumps out of the tree, they try to bite it, even if they get slashed or bit in the process. Oh, yeah. So what makes a vicious dog like this guy's... Uh, yeah, fearless, uh, fearless fear, boxer. Fearless boxer. What makes that thing just whimper and whine and cower? Uh, that's sense. That's a, that's a weird... smart, you know, if he knows it's 2,000 pounds and 10 feet tall. Yeah, it stinks. I mean, Remember, the dog can probably smell it. Yeah, you know yeah. their senses are like. I read two thousand times their nose, two thousand times more sensitive than a human's. Well, I mean, so that's crazy. Even if they could smell it, Kev. In your opinion, so say this: say this uh, boxer smelled it. Do you think that he smelled it before and seen it? Or if it's something within it, within him, that is just like innate. It, it's just warned off by a, an odor, even if it's the first time it smelled it. Yeah, I think it could be either, Bill. It's a great question. You know, but certainly, you know, we have that sense, 
right? When when we think something's going to go wrong, maybe we feel the hair stand up on the back of our necks or something just doesn't feel right. And yeah. like we tell our listeners, most of the time, that sense is correct. You know, whether yeah. you're talking about Bigfoot, you know, or just pure evil things, you know, whatever. You know, mm-hmm. bad people look at, you know, hunting you down in bad places. You know, whatever it is, you have to trust that sense. And I have no reason to believe that dogs don't have a similar sense. Yeah, it's it's, it's really wrong. It's very interesting to me that... Look how they can sense, some of them can sense the tornadoes in that, Bill. Oh, I didn't know that, can they? Oh, yeah, yeah. The dogs, they'll, they'll, some dogs will sense earthquakes. Some will sense tornadoes. And I don't mean with like some special training. I mean, like people will report of their dog like spinning around in circles and barking, you know, twenty five seconds before a major earthquake or something like that. Well, they say, yeah, they say in Japan the animals take off when there's going to be an earthquake. Yeah, I heard that many years ago. Yep, I'm telling you, man, this freaking Earth and the inhabitants of it are absolutely amazing. But uh, this is just another another page in the history of our planet, the Bigfoot phenomena. No doubt about it. Incredible. Well, that's it this week, Bill. Thanks, folks, for sending in your letters. Love hearing from you. I love the ideas, too, for cryptids and the other oddities. I love when you give more detail about a place like Bill was asking about in uh, the Clearwater River drainages in Idaho, if you have any info on that. And thank you so much for all those five-star reviews, and keep them coming. Those five-star reviews are virtually the only way we have, means we have, of attracting new listeners to the podcast. And by getting new listeners, we're able to stay on track. And folks, remember, if we miss an episode in the next few weeks, that's because yours truly is out stomping around in the forest looking for the hairy man in New England. So don't panic. We're going to try to stay on schedule anyway, but if we miss a week, it's because we're out there doing some field research. Yeah, baby. And by the way, folks, go out and purchase a book and uh, help us out in our endeavor. And by the way, if you should find yourself walking around in Ashland, Ohio this week... You best remember one thing, my friend. Always carry more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight.